The Guardian. Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes creating a professional website for your business, personal brand or portfolio so easy it's newsworthy. Go to squarespace.com and use the offer Guardian to get 10% off. Hello, I'm Vicky Frost and you're listening to the third of four specials from Media Guardian, all about the huge range of international audio documentaries you can hear online. Uh, I'm joined again by Nina Garthwaite. Hello. Hello, Vicky. Uh, you've brought another extract from the vaults of In the Dark. Uh, what is it and why have you chosen it? Um, okay, so what we're going to listen to is a part of an hour-long piece um, from a series called Y.O.Y., presented and produced by a woman called Andrea Salenzi. And the whole series is kind of a very personal exploration of, of Andrea and the, and the sort of issues that she's facing as a, a woman in her sort of late 20s, early 30s. This particular episode is about her preparing to go and get an IUD fitted. So as you might expect, there's some frank discussion of anatomy coming up. So this may be one for the headphones rather than your family car stereo. Don't say we didn't warn you. Let's have a listen. Coming up on the show, I get ready for my appointment to have a small plastic device inserted into my uterus. It's called an IUD. There was a visual of a needle going into my vagina. I talk with friends who've done it before. So she inserted medical-grade tongs, like salad tongs is how I thought of them. Like something you would like pick up a pork chop off of a barbecue with. And it hurts. My way of dealing with pain is to laugh. <laughs> like, like I was laughing the entire time. I was like, this is nonsense painful. What if I just can't control it and all of a sudden I'm just pooping and then I pass out and then I vomit? What if all those things happen and it is literally the most embarrassing, traumatizing event of my life? I was like looking around the room and I'm like, seriously, this is what it means to be a woman? This is a cosmic joke. (laughs) I felt like Eve. (laughs) I felt like I had been banished from Eden. Come into the doctor's office with me and hear what happens. You can do this. Just keep breathing. My heart is beating. I'm Andrea Salenzi. This is why oh why, or more specifically, why oh why do we put ourselves through all this? You know those birth control commercials? <laughs> oh, hey, did I tell you? My doctor told me about this new low-dose birth control pill it's called Yaz. Yeah. It's the only 24-day design pill with a unique hormone, DRSP. Right. DRSP is a different kind of hormone that may increase potassium. That is just what today's show is going to be like but with a lot more blood and candor, and absolutely no medical advice. I mean it. This episode is my anecdotal journey talking to friends and family before going in for my own IUD. And none of this is researched beyond some light Googling. This is just the story of how I hacked my uterus. When I called to make my appointment, this was the whole music. I knew I wanted an IUD for a lot of reasons, but mostly because of a blog post my friend wrote. She explained that it's the most effective form of birth control there is. You are hassle-free for five years, 
no periods, one-seventh of the hormones, and it's covered by my insurance. For me, the IUD represents true independence, one last barrier between me and being the beautiful, natural woman that I never quite feel like, really. My friend Adrian is the author of the blog post that got all this in my head in the first place. She has an IUD herself. We're one of the first generations to be on birth control, like for our whole adulthood. Yeah. Like basically from the minute that you are sexually active until you decide to have kids, you are, most of us are on hormones. So it's weird, you don't know what your normal is. And my friend Elise just got her second. I consider myself to be a hormone junkie <laughs> because I have no sense of what it is. My whole sexual identity is tied to the hormones. I have no idea who I am. I have no idea what my period is like. I started on birth control two years after I started my period. So I have no idea what or who I am. We got together in the dimly lit back room of a bar called Palace Cafe in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. No one else is back there and a game is going on in the distance. In order to understand what leads women to the IUD, you have to think about all the things that can go wrong with the other options. I had experimented, oh, that sounds like exciting. <laughs> I experimented with a lot of different types of birth control just because, like, it was back when I was 16 years old, my mom first put, put me on the birth control pill out of her own paranoia. Like, I was definitely not having sex, and I wouldn't until I was 19. But she was like, oh, you know, to regulate your period, you should be on the birth control pill. Um, and my boobs just like exploded overnight. Like <laughs> the hormones was just so intense in this uh, birth control pill I was on called Brevicon, um, which they later discontinued because they found that uh, the hormone levels were too much. Um, <laughs> so I had like, I'm a fairly skinny person and I had um, 34D cup breasts. <laughs> it was just crazy. <laughs> I looked like a porn star. <laughs> and then later throughout in different, parts of my adulthood, uh, I got put on different birth control pills, and uh, yeah, so they, they got smaller, but still, um, I, had, I did not know until I went on the IUD that so much of my figure was attributable to hormones. <laughs> Um, and then I tried the NuvaRing when that came out. That was something that a doctor recommended to me, which I liked well enough, but it was expensive because it wasn't generic yet. And it gave me like a weird period. Like I was basically just spotting all the freaking time, which was kind of obnoxious. So I went off of the pill for a while because I was having um, body problems in general, vagina problems. <laughs> I was getting a lot of yeast infections and, and um, bacterial vaginosis. And so one of the things they suggested was to go off of the hormones. So I took myself off of birth control and I was using just condoms. And everyone knows that that sucks. Um, <laughs> like, I feel like condoms are so analog. Like, it's like using a film camera. Like, every time you take a picture or every time you have sex, you're like, oh, are we going to invest in using a condom? Like, we have to go through this process of, like, opening the condom and putting on the condom. And, like, the condom costs, what, like, I don't know, $2, $3. So every time you have sex, you're like, okay, we're, we're choosing to, it's like a Polaroid or something. It really focuses everything on the penis, and it's like we're gonna we're gonna sheath the precious penis. Let us protect the penis. Penis blankets all around. My vagina wants a condom sometimes too. Well, actually, I, every time I meet like a couple that's been in a long-term serious relationship, and they tell me that they use condoms, condoms regularly, blows my mind. Do you Why? not enjoy sex? Yeah. Right. Are you prepared all the time? I hope so. 
Uh. Anyway, so yeah, so I used condoms for a long time, and then like ill-advisedly, we were doing the like, what is it called, the rhythm method, where you pull out like, <laughs> oh god, oh god. Um, so I started looking up other things that I could do that would be. I was worried about. Uh, things that would cost less money and that would uh, be a lower dose of hormones or none at all and uh, would not cause like depression or uh, blood clots or any of these other health concerns that at the time I was kind of a hypochondriac. I like to think I've gotten over it. Um, But so I was just looking for something minimally invasive and also cheap and effective. Um, So I was just looking at all these websites on Planned Parenthood and um, just kind of general Googling like, okay, so what are the the different efficiency rates of different methods of birth control and what are the different side effects and all of that. So I was just kind of like pouring myself into the internet trying to figure out what made the most sense for me. Um, And I wasn't ruling anything out. I was like, should I use the sponge? Should I use a diaphragm? Should I use contraceptive jelly? Is that even still for sale or is that like a 70s thing? and everything just kept coming up like, oh, the IUD, the IUD, the IUD. Okay, well, what's that like getting that inserted? Like, who is it appropriate for? And um, so it was all the internet. Here's what the internet will tell you about the IUD. Basically, there are two kinds. There's the marina with a low dose of hormones that lasts for five years. And then there's the paraguard with no hormones, just magic copper ions and it lasts for 12 years. No one really knows how the magic copper ions work, which is insane if you think about it in the age of brain surgery and heart transplants, especially since the copper IUD is the world's most widely used method of reversible birth control. Over 160 million women have one of these. One of the major appeals of both methods is the idea of being on little or no hormones. The one with hormones applies it locally, so it's about one-seventh the dose of the pill. The crazy thing about the hormones that prevent pregnancy is that our bodies become totally dependent on them. Doctors never warn you about this, but when we go off birth control, our bodies change, and sometimes we lose our minds. That is when I was at my craziest. in my life was when I was readjusting to like normal hormone levels. Um, I felt, first of all, my normal period sucks. (laughs) Like it's just very heavy bleeding, intense cramping. It'd be like eight to 10 days long. Um, And I just felt like, like the times that I wasn't on my period, I was like, yes. (laughs) And it felt like it was rarer somehow than the times I was on my period. And uh, just I felt much more emotionally up and down. And uh, the fact that the IUD, it's turned out, has totally stopped my period. Um, I just feel so just plateaued all the time, (laughs) which which is really nice. Uh, We're having to pause it there, although I could have listened on, I think, despite actually to use, I suppose, their language, it being slightly obnoxious in, (laughs) in places. Tell us a bit about uh, about this. Uh, we included the whole introduction to the program there, uh, just to give it a sense of how it all fits together. It is quite an opening. It is. And uh, when I first heard about this piece, my, it was from a friend saying to me that she actually had to get off the tube because she thought she was going to have a panic attack. <laughs> 
which is the most extreme response I've ever heard anyone have to a radio programme. Yeah, it's it, it's it's an hour long and, it you know, it's, it's a lot of talking to her friends and this is the way uh, the show goes. So that, you know, she'll, as anyone does when they're trying to find something out, just chatting to friends, finding out about it and sort of slowly working up to the decision to go and get the thing fitted. And then, of course, she takes uh, her microphone in with her Um and that's really quite uh, quite an experience. What I love about this show, and I think there are lots of podcasts that are doing this more and more, actually, this kind of slightly rambling approach to dealing with a subject where you're just like interviewing people, chatting to people, and it's very natural, and it's not all packaged. It's not all, here's, here's how, where we're going to deal about this, and here's where we're going to deal about this. It's, you know, it's structured to some extent. Um, this piece is, is cut together. It's got a very sort of like you're listening in on some girlfriends having a chat about something that actually you're kind of interested in uh, finding out a bit more about too, you know. You know, maybe it's the kind of thing that would put somebody off. I mean, I'm interested in you. You felt like it was obnoxious at times, but... I did, actually. Um, I really enjoyed listening to all those voices. And I did laugh a lot. I mean, I thought they were very funny. I mean, you know, that's salad tongs, a bit like, you know, picking up a pork chop. I thought there was loads of humour in it. Um, I really loved it. I mean, all the stuff about condoms was hilarious. I thought, you know, and this kind of, what's going to be cheaper? What? It's like a Polaroid. And, you know, I really enjoyed it. But what I wanted was for it to be underpinned by some actual research somewhere. I felt like, you know, this is really interesting. This is great. This gives me a really brilliant idea of, of of what you're talking about. And actually, it was funny it being sort of underpinned by that Sex in the City music because I thought, actually, no, we still don't hear this very much. You think, you know, at this stage, yes, we would, but you don't hear this very much. But then what I wanted was more than a light Googling. I wanted her to have done some actual research so she could tell me something. In fact, I have it written here quite big. Do some research. <laughs> well, I think that's really interesting. And I think that and it's funny because, you know, as we're talking about these things and I, I'm sort of, I start defend, defending them. And I think, you know, that's not what I'm here to do. I, I, I love this piece and I love this programme because I think there's interesting things that are happening in it. I don't think, you know, everything works. But actually, I think what, for me, I think what's really important about it is, is um, it's, it's... I mean, I think the world of podcasting started off very male. And uh, in the last few years, we've seen more and more female podcasts. I should say this isn't just a podcast, it's a show on WFMU uh, in the States as well. But it's also, you know, it's probably consumed mainly as a podcast. Recently, there have been more and more sort of female voices, sort of independent, let's say, female voices uh, in podcasting. And I think that what's interesting is on the one hand, yeah, we've actually been having this kind of I'm a woman in my late 20s, early 30s, trying to deal with being, you know, self-possessed and career-minded and intelligent and at the same time dealing with like being a woman and 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 being a heterosexual woman as well and uh what that means for who I am my identity now like actually in a way yeah the sex and city music comes in you're like yeah this has been going on a long time this 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 kind of idea this story it's been but actually you're right it's still not quite there and what I love about this is actually the sort of loose nature of it um, means that sometimes it goes to places that are actually quite radical and that goes that one step further than, say, the Sex and the City or, you know, your sort of uh, sort of slightly glossified HBO series version of, of this kind of chat because it's got that looseness and because you can bring in a friend who happens to be doing a PhD in precisely this subject who, you know, maybe isn't, you know, f- famous or somebody who'd bring in and who's super 
smart and will, you know, sort of go, well, you know, radical feminists say, you know, uh, maybe we should not be uh, going out with men at all, for example. <laughs> Listening to, what you know, when, when the latest episode last night and it was just like, you know, and there's a seriously discussing whether you can be heterosexual and feminist and yourself, you know, and I think it's actually suddenly very easily goes into areas of discussion that are quite quite radical and we quite difficult to sort of slip into I mean you can't imagine women's hour going like so should we all become you know lesbians do you think you know <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's, you're right it's like the anti-woman's hour in lots of ways and there are truths in it that I found very interesting you know this idea that actually you know we're this generation who will spend all their time on hormones you know I don't know what I am anymore I'm always on hormones and I thought that was an interesting sentence that I actually hadn't really seen explored in other places. I just perhaps wanted some, you know, some some sort of what what is that doing to us actually scientifically, sort of underscoring it, if you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. I totally disagree. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> we will leave it there. Uh, and remember, there are links to all four programs in our feed and on our SoundCloud page and stay subscribed to Media Guardian to hear more in this series. Thanks for listening. For more great downloads, go to theguardian.com slash audio. Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, providing creative tools that help you bring your ideas to life. Squarespace offers free domain names, customizable designs, drag and drop tools and 24-7 supports. Squarespace also offers seamless e-commerce solutions for you or your small business. Every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website, so your content will look brilliant on any device. Start your free trial today. No credit card required. As a Guardian podcast listener, you'll get 10% off your new account by using the offer code GUARDIAN.